preacher, for, uh, for those kind words. Let's go to Romans chapter 15. I love Sunday night church. It has always been my favorite service of the whole week. Thank you for being here on uh, Sunday night. And uh, preacher, thank you for the opportunity to uh, be a part of, of your spring revival. I uh, thoroughly uh, have enjoyed our time. I enjoyed our time last night. We had a, we had a fun time last night at Top Golf. And, and uh, although this morning, listen, he really ought to pick the guest preacher up in a different vehicle. I ought to pull the hamstring getting in that uh, Jeep this morning. It's way too early to be giving one of these. If I would have known we were getting in that, I'd have stretched out a little bit, man. My hammy's a little sore. So take it easy on the old fellas, will you? you know, young guys come in, they can jump right in there. But us old fellas, we got to stretch out a little bit, kind of get ready. So, uh, but anyway, I, we've just had a great time. I love your preacher's spirit. I. I appreciate his friendship and his ministry more than, uh, than he will, will know. And church, thank you for uh, being so kind with uh, your words this morning. I uh, fully intend to contact Brother Skelly and let him know. I think I have probably set the preaching bar low enough that even he can hit it. Um, and in case I don't get to tell him that before tomorrow night, please do, will you? I just tell him, Brother Prater said he set the bar low enough that even Kurt Skelly could hit it, and I know that he'll uh, he'll appreciate that. And and I, I was able to bring some more books for those that are that are interested. How many of you have ever found yourself in a situation where you just figured it was going to be easier to ask forgiveness than permission? Raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about. Well, I, uh, I kind of I feel like that's where I'm at tonight. Um, I did not ask your pastor for permission to preach this message simply because I figured it would be easier afterwards to ask for forgiveness. And so, preacher, forgive me. Now, he's over there thinking, oh, my soul. But seeing that today is not only the beginning of your spring revival, um, but that also marks the seven-year anniversary of your pastor and his family's ministry here, um, with the Lord's help, I want to I preach a very brief, I think, a very brief, very simple message to you tonight that I've, I've given this title, You and your pastor. He did not ask me to preach this. He, him and his wife will probably sit there a bit embarrassed tonight. Um, I've, I've been in services like this. I promise I will not embarrass them on purpose. Uh, it is my heart tonight just to share some thoughts with you uh, about pastoring and um, just give you a, maybe a little bit of glimpse um, into the heart of a pastor and into the heart of, of uh, pastoral ministry, and, and I hope I'm able uh, to do that. As Paul nears the end of his letter to the Romans, I, I believe that he gives us a window, if you will, into his ministry. And as we, we gaze through that window... 
I believe we can clearly see the portrait of a godly pastor. If you're in Romans chapter 15, in verse 14, Paul says some very commendable things about the believers in the church at Rome. Look at what he says. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are, number one, full of goodness, number two, filled with all knowledge, and number three, also able to admonish, that word means to teach, one another. And what's interesting about Paul's words here in chapter 15 is that they follow some very passionate words of correction in chapter 14. If you go back and read chapter 14, you're going to find that Paul had to address some problems that were causing division in the church. But because of his love for those in the church at Rome, he was able to look beyond the problems and still love them because that's what a godly pastor does. Consider these words of Paul to the believers in the church of Thessalonica. Listen, he said, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, listen, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls. Paul said, listen, I I was not just willing to give you the word of God. I was willing to give you my own soul because you were dear unto us. I believe this verse shows us the difference between someone who is just a preacher and someone who is a preacher and a pastor said, well, well, Brother Prater, I thought they were the same. No, 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 no. There's a vast difference between someone who's just a preacher and someone who is a preacher and a pastor. You see, a, a preacher just gives you a sermon. A pastor gives you his soul. A preacher is there for you on Sunday. But a pastor is there for you on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It's going to be a pastor who weeps with you and prays with you and counsels you. It's going to be a pastor, not just a preacher, who rejoices with you in your victories and who is there to pick you up in your defeats. But that being said, let me read something else that Paul wrote, this time to the church at Corinth. Listen to this. He said, And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. 
Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Now I'm sure that that is not the case here at Bible Baptist Church. I have not sensed anything like that in the conversations that I've had. You absolutely adore your pastor and his wife and their family and you're thankful for God bringing them here. I mean, after all, you're going to celebrate seven years with them here in, in just a little while. And so I don't think this is an issue here. But can I just say a little something to you tonight about, about loving your pastor? I hope you'll write these down. Number one, if you're going to, in order to, to love your pastor well, you need to love his wife. Listen to me, church. Few things, and I'm speaking from, from my own pastoral ministry experience, few things will encourage your pastor more than when you love the ones that he loves the most. There is no way that I could have done what I did for nearly 40 years in full-time church ministry or what I do now as, as a staff evangelist. There's no way I could have done that without my wife. She is an invaluable part of my ministry. And I know that, that it's the same with your pastor and your wife. So when you honor him, honor her. That'll mean the world to him. And then secondly, love his children. Got a news flash for you. Your pastor's kids are no different than your kids. They're sinners. <laughs> They're sinners. Regardless of the halo that she wears, she's a sinner. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to do what sinners do. They're going to do what your little sinners do. And they'll never be perfect. Ever. Ever. So please, don't hold them to a higher standard than you would anyone else's kids. Or your own kids. Just because God called their dad to be a pastor. Number three, love is preaching. I'm not talking about his style or his mannerisms or his charisma. I'm talking about the content. I'm talking about what he labors over and prays over and prepares for you every single week. And church, be thankful tonight that your pastor is not merely an entertainer or a motivational speaker. Listen, those clowns are a dime a dozen. But real, genuine Bible preachers like yours are a rare find in today's church culture. I read an article titled, Where Have All the Preachers Gone? And in part, the article said this, is it just me or does there seem to be a growing shortage of preachers? No, I don't mean just a warm body to stand up front. 
but an honest-to-God preacher, someone with fire in their bones, a man of heaven sent to earth with a mission, not just a man on earth who occasionally speaks of heaven but has lost sight of it long ago. A midwife, I love this word picture, a midwife whose clothes are consistently stained with the blood of new birth instead of a coach who stalks the sidelines barking out ploys and plays that will help him move on to a bigger and better church. A man who is drenched with the spirit and fire instead of a politician who speaks manners and moderation. Where have all the preachers gone? And once you find such a man, where would he preach? The church has room for a lecturer, but not a locust eater. Both preacher and church are about atmosphere, entertainment, and excitement. And that is not what can be honestly said about Stephen Cox and Bible Baptist Church. That's not what either of you are about, and I'm thankful for that. I concur with these words from one modern-day expositor who rightly stated that what passes for preaching in some churches today is literally no more profound than what preachers years ago were teaching in the five-minute children's sermon they gave before dismissing the kids. And what an indictment on preaching. Telling you, Bible Baptist Church is blessed to have a preacher. Just as your pastor encouraged you when you, or, or, or is encouraged when you love those he loves, he's encouraged. Listen, I promise you, he is encouraged when you acknowledge your love for the preaching of God's word. Listen, traveling uh, uh, just about every week of the year and preaching in, in, in various kinds of churches, I'm just going to be real honest and transparent with you. Not all churches want preaching. <laughs> they just don't. I'm sorry. They just don't. And I certainly have not sensed that here today. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't stay all week. You'd preach me to death. I mean, you guys obviously get preaching. And so whoever stands up here, you want them to preach. That's very obvious, very evident. I'm just telling you, it does something to a pastor when he knows that he's preaching to people who want to hear it. Number four, love him with your faithfulness. And I understand tonight that you don't do what you do for your pastor. I get that. You do it for the Lord, and he doesn't want you to do it for him. He wants you to do it for the Lord. But if you love the Lord, then you're going to be faithful to church, and you're going to be faithful to your ministry responsibilities. And in being faithful to church and to your ministry responsibilities, you are being a huge, huge blessing to your pastor. Number five. Love him with your complaints. Now stay with me here. Out of all of the pastors that I know personally, and I know a lot, 
not one of them claims to be perfect. Not one. Your pastor is fallible. And he would be the first person to admit it. He'll not always get it right. In seven years, he has not always got it right. In nearly 40 years, I did not always get it right. No one ever gets it right all the time. But if you love him, then you will learn to go to him privately in all humility and all grace and all love when you have a concern. Number six, love him even when you don't understand him. And please don't miss this. Pastors are often involved in some of the most personal details of other people's lives. And church, they are are privy to things about a person or situations that they simply cannot divulge. And unfortunately, it's in these times that misunderstandings grow. People often say things like, well, why aren't you doing this? Or why aren't you putting a stop to that? When are you going to deal with this problem or with that problem? Preacher, where were you when this happened? Why didn't you come when we asked? Now listen, there is usually a very good and acceptable answer to those kinds of questions. But sometimes, listen, sometimes because of the nature, the sensitive nature of that given situation, Your pastor just can't give those answers without divulging information that may compromise a situation and make it worse. So in your mind, if you're ever thinking, well, I just don't understand why preacher's not doing doing something about that. Well, most likely he is doing something about that. But it's not something that he can just make public and divulge to everybody. And so it's in those moments that you really ought to drop to your knees and pray extra hard for your pastor. I don't know how many of you follow him on Twitter or on, on Facebook, but if you, if you saw last night, he said, don't put your pastor on a pedestal, put him on a prayer list. And I'm not up here tonight trying to put your pastor on a, on a pedestal. And nobody should do that to their pastor. But he ought to be right at the top of your prayer list. Because of situations just like this. These are the the times when you need to believe that your pastor has the, 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 the best interest of the church at heart. And then number seven, love him for a long time. A wise church will set her heart on loving her pastor for a long time. 
Not just putting up with him, but loving him. Loving him in the ways that I just mentioned. If I could be so forward to say this tonight, it will be the Bible Baptist Church's benefit to love the Coxes for a long time, and I'll tell you why. Because almost any church, listen to me, again, I'm speaking from experience, almost any church that is doing anything for the Lord right now is being pastored by a man who has loved his people for a long time and who has been loved for a long time. So there's a little bit about the godly pastor in his heart. Now, let's pick up the pace a little bit. We'll hasten to a close. Look at verse 15. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in, in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. Let's talk a little bit about your pastor's plan. It's not, it's not easy to say exactly what a pastor does. But he does a lot of different things. No two, listen, no two days in the ministry are the same. But there is one thing that he must do without fail, and that is to preach the word. To be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Out of Everything involved in being a godly pastor, all of them, all of them must take a back seat to the preaching of God's word. It is every pastor's responsibility, according to Acts chapter 6, to be given to prayer and to the ministry of the word. God bless pastors like yours who do not endlessly chase after new ideas and, and the latest fads, but faithfully and boldly and repeatedly with much love and courage and wisdom remind their people of those great gospel truths that save the soul and nourish the heart and renew the mind so that Bible Baptist Church can be filled with transformed people. Verse 16, your pastor's desire that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles, look at this, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I love how Paul illustrates his ministry to the Gentiles and expresses his heart's desire. He presents himself here as a, as a priest offering up a sacrifice. Not the, the dead sacrifices of the Old Testament, but living sacrifices. They were the Gentiles who had been saved as a result of his ministry. 
Listen, I could walk into Fellowship Baptist Church tonight and, 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 and begin pointing at people that, that God gave me the opportunity to sit down with and open this book and share with them the gospel and watch them humble their heart and bow their head and, and, and call upon the name of the Lord. And I'm just telling you something. There's just, there's just a special bond between them and me. And it's a blessing to be able to, to lift them up, to offer them up as living sacrifices. And a godly pastor, listen, a godly pastor does not use people to build his ministry. He uses his ministry to build people. To a godly pastor, the ministry is not about big buildings and big offerings and big crowds. Listen, all of that is good, and I, I, I don't bemoan any pastor having a big building or a big offering or a big crowd. Listen, if, if, if numbers weren't important, then somebody wouldn't have counted in the book of Acts. Right? Numbers aren't everything, but they are something. But a godly pastor is, is about more than that. He's about being able to offer up to the Lord those souls that he's had a part in reaching either through his personal evangelism or, or his ministry in the Word. Compared to the honor of presenting men and women to the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, this world, this world has nothing to offer a godly pastor. He's all about preparing people for eternity. And that's a lot more important than many of the, the things that some pastors seem to be living for. And then let's look at verses 17 and 18 and we'll wrap it up. Your pastor's motivation. Paul said, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. In short, Paul's motivation was the glory of God and not his own. In the end, the thing that is going to matter to men like Stephen Cox is not how large a church he had or how well-known he became or anything else like that. What's going to matter is what Christ has done in and through him by his grace and for his glory. I'll end with this. The greatest want of the world is the want of a godly pastor. A pastor who will not be bought or sold. A pastor who in his inmost soul is true and honest. A pastor who does not fear to call sin by its right name. A pastor whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole. A pastor 
who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. I believe tonight that that is the kind of pastor that God has graciously given Bible Baptist Church for such a time as this. I said this this morning, I'll say it again tonight. I think where you are right now as a church, not just building-wise, but ministry-wise, this is just an, inter, just an inter, intermediate stopping place. It's a pause, although you're not pausing. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God's, God's got some other plans. And I hope and pray that, that you will follow your pastor's vision as God gives him vision. And as God guides him and, and directs him and leads him, and that you will, will pray diligently for him. Because it's been my experience and the experience of any pastor that I know that when God's doing this, the devil's really ticked off. He's not happy. And he's not going to sit idly by church and just let this happen without a fight. And he can't fight on his own. And I don't think he does fight on his own. So I, I pray that as you celebrate tonight, that you'll do so with the future in mind. And that you'll begin praying for your pastor and his wife and, and, and their family more diligently than you ever have. That they will be soaked, that they will be bathed in prayer every single day. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to go out and let the preacher chastise me for embarrassing him tonight and his wife tonight. That's not been my purpose. I just really sensed in my heart that that God wanted us to, to do this tonight. I didn't probably say anything new. Maybe just by way of reminder. And you've got a good man. And I'm, I'm fortunate to be able to call him my friend. And I look forward to celebrating with you as God continues to do the good work, the great work that he's done. Now listen. I, I would never, I'm not tonight, I would never, I've been in these awkward moments where, okay, I'm going to have the preacher and his wife come. I'm not going to do that to them, wouldn't do it. But I hope before you leave tonight that you'll let them know verbally, eyeball to eyeball, preacher, Miss Rebecca, we love you. And we're with you. And we're thankful for you. And we're ready to get after it for another seven years. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand and pray.